I love Vision Sunday. And then for me, uh, every Sunday is Vision Sunday because I believe that the vision uh, that for our lives and our church can easily leak and we can get off track. But I love the power of once a year and then we restate it again in June of declaring what our vision is as a church. And if you've been around for a while, you'll know that we've simplified our vision statement down simply to this, that our vision is transformed lives. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a transformed life. Life. Turn your other neighbor, your second favorite neighbor, and say, I am a transforming life. Come on, I'm a work in progress. You know you are. A little awkward if you're on the end of the aisles, I know, because uh, you'll have to turn to no one and, and pretend, but that's okay. You can do that. Our vision is transformed lives. It's kind of a modern way of saying uh, dis- we're making disciples so that when it's someone who comes in who doesn't know Bible lingo can kind of go, if I said our vision is to make disciples, they go, well, what does that mean? But transformed lives kind of rings true for people that from the moment of salvation through the to discovering purpose, we're talking about people transforming as our vision for church. I often, when people ask and say, what kind of church is this? I I often just simply summarize, if they're a Christian and want to know what kind of church we are, I say we're a soul-winning, disciple-making, supernatural church. Soul-winning, disciple-making, supernatural. There's lots of things that go around that, but at our core, our true north is helping people who don't have a relationship with Jesus make a connection with Jesus and begin a relationship with him. And if that's you today, you might have gone to church at some point, but you know you're not in a relationship with God. If you're watching online, you're in the room and you don't today at the end of the service, I'd like to help you begin your relationship with God that will change everything in your life. Okay, that's soul winning. It's our true north. Disciple making is our core mission. It's what we're called to do. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that today. And supernatural is the flavor of our church. We believe that God is alive today, that He works miracles, that He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver us. He wants to prosper us. He wants to bless us. He's alive and He works miracles because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you agree, just give me amen today. Come on, there's a power in agreement. Even with masks, it still counts. And we have a dream for the decade. Uh, The 1st of January 2020, I wrote down uh, seven different things that reflect the dream that we have for the decade. I believe if you don't have one of those cards, we have them today for people to collect on the way out so that the team will have those. And if you don't have one, uh, it just covers seven different things about what we see over the decade across the 20s. That I see us in a season of revival, that we're a church filled with brilliant disciple makers, that we're in our landmark facilities because of miracles that God does for us in Power Road, that, that we have five church locations uh, across, the tw- across the decade, and we're up to, we've planted, well, one and a half. Jeremy and Lisa haven't moved to Auckland yet, but they will. So that's two, three to go. A church uh, filled with influencers and entrepreneurs, and David talked about how that connected with him today. A church where we see powerful healings in people's lives, and a church renowned for kindness in our community. These are our dream for the decade, unfolding stage by stage. Now, every year we have a theme. Uh, it's, it's something that we want to emphasize. It might be something prophetic that we feel that God's been saying to our church that we really want to drill down into. 
It might be something that, that there's just a sense that this is a, an area of our church that this year, in addition to everything else, we want to go deeper in that area. We want to strengthen that culture, that value of our church family. So, for example, last year, our theme was deeper in the Word. And we really, uh, our encouragement was to help us to get deep into Scripture and deeper in the Word of God. And, of course, that doesn't mean this year is we're shallow in the Word. That just means that that we're going to build on that emphasis that we had to strengthen a culture in our church and to continue to build on that foundation. So this year, uh, our 2022 theme, we want to strengthen the culture of disciple-making in our church. And so our theme comes from the the second stanza, if you like, of the dream for the decade. And it's where uh, that stanza says this, I see us being a leadership factory, training, raising up, and empowering leaders who are brilliant disciple-makers. Everybody say brilliant disciple-makers. There is a multiplication of leaders of all ages, everybody say all ages, who are gripped by a strong and unshakable call of God, which causes them to lay down their lives for the gospel. I I love our church. I believe, I just, I love our church. You know, I don't think we're the best church on the planet, but I believe we're the best church for me. And I believe if you're called to be part of this church, it's the best church for you. And I look around our church and I see brilliant disciple makers of all ages. I see people like Dale and Judy Phillips who have been with us for 20 years, who are brilliant disciple makers. People like Chris and Diane Rogers running their connect group and loving people, brilliant disciple makers. Like Ken and Margaret Appleton in the room, brilliant disciple makers, all ages. Then I see these young guys like Isaac and Joel leading youth and getting coming alongside people. And everywhere I, I just see brilliant disciple makers. And so today I want to talk about this theme for our year of brilliant disciple makers and what it looks like. You'll note that it is of all ages. And although we are a church focused on reaching the next generation, that's an emphasis. The church is only ever one generation from extinction. And so therefore, it it behoves those of us who are a little older to move uh, some of our preferences aside so that we're making a church that we can kind of go, well, you know what, I would rather this, but I'll make some allowances because I want to be part of a church reaching a new generation. And so that's a spirit that we have amongst us, but that doesn't mean that we're a young church. I love what David said, where he noticed that we're a multi-generational church. We've got, we've got people in their, you know, kids, we've got people in their teens, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s in our church. And I love that about our church. And here's the thing, I believe brilliant disciple makers are all ages, doesn't matter what age you are, you can be a brilliant disciple maker. And I want to talk about that today. The, the theme scripture for the year that I believe that the Lord's wanting us to highlight and strengthen, it comes out of Matthew chapter 28. It's where Jesus in verse 18 said, He came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Everybody say, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. First time the Trinity thought is really introduced into the Bible right there. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So for me, as we look as a church in 2022 to strengthen the culture of disciple making, there's a couple of questions that we need to answer. The first is, one, what's a disciple? And two, how do we actually make disciples? What's a disciple and how do we make disciples? Notice Jesus didn't say go into all the world and make converts. Notice he didn't say go into all the world and make believers, people who believe. Notice he didn't say go into all the world and make churchgoers. Mm. He said go into all the world and make, make disciples. Come on, put it in the chat. Those of you watching online, he said make disciples, make disciples. What's a, what's a disciple then? What does it look like to be a disciple? We see in Jesus' day, first century rabbis, for, for 200 years prior to Jesus' coming, uh, rabbis, teachers, would have disciples. They would uh, get young men from the age of 13 or 14 who'd already been raised learning the Torah or the Bible, uh, the Old Testament and the rules, and they'd find these young men who, who had potential to be shaped and maybe be, by the time they were 30 to become a teacher or a rabbi, and they would... They would ask them to be disciples or the young men would ask if they could be their disciples and literally what it meant it wasn't a it was like an apprentice and so that young man those those boys those teenagers would go with the rabbi and travel with the rabbi and and what listen to the rabbi teach uh, rabbi means teacher listen to them unpack the word they would have conversations and discussions they would learn not just uh, see the greeks a form of learning was a classroom setting but the Jewish form of learning was a side-by-side. There was components of classroom, but it was watch what I do, now you do it. Now let's talk about that. Now you unpack it. It was walking together side-by-side. It was, it was apprenticing young people to become leaders of the future. That's what a disciple was. So when Jesus turned, turned up and began to choose um, young men and, and say, would you follow me and come with me? He was talking, he would talk to them about being disciples and it wasn't just, I'm going to pass on some information. It wasn't just, I want you to learn and memorize a few verses. They'd already done that. It was, I want you to walk with me, watch me. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to let you do what I do, and then I'm going to give you feedback. And we're going to walk together as disciples. Really, probably one of the best words in our modern day would be an apprentice. How many, have we got any apprentices in the house today? Give me a wave. And, or just if you're a tradie and you've done an apprenticeship, give us a wave. Come on. All right, so some of you will know what I mean. You came alongside somebody. The aim was that you would learn the skills and eventually become like your apprentice-er. That's what a disciple is. It's a way of life. It's a, it's a learning. So let's, let's, think, let's look at that and go, okay, so if the aim of being a disciple is to become like Jesus, that's the outcome, I'm following Jesus, Let's look at what would be some things that we could define a disciple as. So today, I want to give us a bit of a definition from this verse of the Bible that can help us for the rest of the year. And so this is what Jesus said. He said, I want you to make disciples. 
So I understand disciples aren't born, converts are born, disciples are made. Disciples are made by somebody else, not just them and God. Okay, if we're going to make disciples. So a disciple, he said, I want you to baptize them. So he says, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them. Baptizing, as the Greek word baptizo, it means continually immersing. So continually immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now we're we're talking obviously about water baptism. The line in the sand moment where I get dunked under the water and I'm fully immersed in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as a sign I'm now going to follow Jesus. That's primarily what he's talking about. But then there's a secondary part of this where he's talking about I want people not just once to be baptized, I want them to be fully immersed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's how you're going to make disciples, fully immersed. I remember when I first went to Victoria, my business had, has a, a Victorian rep, and I went to his house. And, I, and when I went to his house, I very quickly realized that his wife was a Collingwood supporter. Uh, those, Collingwood's like an AFL team. It's kind of it's like tattoos and toothless people, kind of. That's, that's the Collingwood vibe. <laughs> just, just saying, all right. Just, just, just saying. Anyway, so <laughs> apologies, not really. Uh, the arch rivals of my team. That's what's going on here, all right? Uh, that was before tattoos were cool. Just saying, just saying, all right. Anyway, we're moving on before I dig a hole. Actually, it's too late. I've already dug a hole. I went to his house and I realized that she's a Collingwood supporter. How did I know? Because everything in the house was black and white. The tiles were black and white. The walls were black and white. The, the cups were black and white. Uh, she was a fully immersed Collingwood person. Uh, they, they, I've been to other people's places and uh, another guy I know, he's an Essendon supporter. He go, he, he's a member. Wherever they play anywhere in the country, he'll do a road trip for their home game. That's 13 times a year outside of Melbourne and all of the Essendon, this crew get together and they drive and they watch the game. They have fundraisers. They're all in supporting financially. It's their church and they're fully immersed, fully immersed. When I think about what it means to be fully immersed, that gives me a little idea. You see, religion wants to sprinkle you and I. Religion, I was sprinkled as a baby. Give me a wave if you were sprinkled as a baby. I, I was, no, no, I'm not down on that. That's kind of cool. That's my mom and dad saying, I want to raise you in church. But religion wants you just to get sprinkled. But Jesus didn't say sprinkle babies. He said, immerse fully the followers of Jesus. See, religion wants you to have a little bit of church and that's it. Oh, I'm all good. But Jesus didn't say make churchgoers. He said make fully immersed followers. So they're fully immersed. What are they fully immersed in? Well, the Father, His love, who He is, knowing our identity as sons and daughters. I'm fully, if I'm fully immersed in the Father, I'm fully immersed in His family. I'm not, you can't be a Christian. Here's the deal. You can be a churchgoer and not a disciple. But you cannot be a disciple without being immersed into the family of God, the church of God. Not an effective one. It won't work. A disciple is fully immersed. You're part of the body of Christ. A disciple is fully immersed into Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the Word of God. So a disciple by nature is fully immersed into the Word of God. 
A disciple by nature is fully immersed into the Holy Ghost, the power of God, the the grace of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, bubbling up in prayer and worship. That's what a disciple is, a fully immersed person. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you fully immersed? I feel like Isaac preached about being fully immersed chicken last week just to help you remember what was going on. So then he goes on and says this, Fully immer- it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, wait for it, teaching them, this is how you make disciples, fully immerse them, and then teach them how to obey all the commands. Uh-oh. Because I-, I know some Christians and their idea of following Jesus is a little bit like following Jesus on Instagram. I'm following Jesus he puts up a scripture and I go, like that one. And he gives another suggestion. Forgive your enemies. You're like, yeah, I'm like, not going to like that one. And he puts up another kind of suggestion. Oh, it would be really great if, if you turned the other cheek when, when someone sna- slapped you and you're like, yeah, unfollow. Don't like that. Can we mute him for a little while? That's, their, that's the idea. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm a follower. I get some ideas and some suggestions from Jesus. But a disciple of Jesus, this is the, it's the journey. We teach them to obey. I remember, uh, I see Catherine around here somewhere today. Where are you, Kat? Give me a wave. You're upstairs, awesome, making everything tick. Well done. Well, Kat lived in our house for a while when she was a teenager and the youth leader in this church. And our son, Jackson, who I'm thinking about this point is three or four years old, and he's in the bath, and we yell out, Jackson, it's time to hop out of the bath now, mate. And so, you know, just leave that moment. Catherine's in, in the room and it's like, buddy, you better get out of the bath. And he says to her, if I ignore them, they might forget what they said and I can just stay in the bath. I'm like, story of his life right there, I'm telling you, right? Just a little indication right there. If I ignore them, and I know lots of us in our Christian walk, that's kind of how we approach following Jesus. We read the Word. Jesus' suggestions come forward. Actually, it's not. His commands, the way we should live our life, come forward. And we're like, hmm, if I ignore him, maybe he'll forget about me. If I don't follow that one, I'll be good. But a disciple is not just fully immersed. A disciple is also fully surrendered. Now, here's the journey of being a disciple. Not not day one. When Jesus is making disciples, he's teaching and he's preaching and the crowds are coming and he's speaking about, the, about who God really is and he's challenging religion and he's teaching people to live a life overflowing with love and grace and mercy and honour and he's demonstrating how to live a life of power and he's showing it and crowds are coming and their hearts are burning because they're hearing the truth of Jesus, the Son of God. And as they follow him, miracles are happening. So some people are coming because there's miracles and food's being multiplied and some people are coming because there's food and other people are coming because there's a crowd coming and and everyone what's happening is people's needs are being met that's how Jesus reaches people he meets their needs and he now uses you and I to meet people's needs and then then we come to Christ and we realize we need forgiveness 
We realize we need help with our anxiety or our depression or purpose in our life. And we come and we, we bow down and say, Jesus, I believe in you. Would you be my savior? Would you cleanse me? Would you forgive me? Would you help me live a life you've called me to live? And Jesus becomes our Savior. And it's powerful. And it's the foundation of our Christian life that Jesus is our Savior. But Jesus, as he taught the crowds and they began to follow him along the way, he, there's a verse in Mark and it's, it's replicated in other places, but Mark 8.34, the crowds have been following for a while. Their needs have been met for a while. They, 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 they love celebrity Jesus and all that he's doing. And at this point, it's cool to go with the Jesus crowd. And then Jesus says things like this, and I can hear his marketing people going, can we just back up on this sort of stuff? Because if you want more followers, this is not how you're going to get more followers. It says in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said to everybody, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And a whole lot of them are like, unfollow. I just want you to be my savior. I just want you to meet my needs. I just want you to help me. And don't get me wrong, that's the core of being a disciple is Jesus is our savior and he does love us. And our Father in heaven wants to help and bless us. But there's, a, there's a, a moment and a series of moments that we come across where we go, Jesus, you're not just my Savior, but you're my Lord. I grew up singing a song in the Uniting Church called Trust and Obey. Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. I'm not going to sing it for you. But to trust and obey. And that's the, that's the truth. We start receiving from Christ, but we have to make the shift from being a receiver of the goodness of God to then building on that and laying our life down to Jesus being our Lord. Now, some of you are like, oh, no, 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 because I, I grew up, I, I spent some time in a church that was legalistic. And so the spirit of disciple, the disciple making, it was a dominant legalistic thing. And people are like, well, I don't want rules and laws. And that's religion. Religion's all about laws and rules and things. And I get it. That's true. But there is a difference between laws and lordship. And the lordship of Jesus is based around, I'm going to follow the commands of Jesus. Even if they grate me, even if they go against what I think should be the case, even if that, that's not popular in our community, I'm putting myself up with the mirror of the Word of God and saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to change me so that I can follow Jesus. That's a disciple. A dis so this is my definition of a disciple for us this year. There's lots of definitions, but this is mine. Disciples are fully immersed, fully surrendered, followers of Jesus. Let me just say that again today because you'll hear me talking about this here. Disciples are fully immersed. Everybody say fully immersed. Come on, I know it's a journey to be fully immersed, but fully immersed, fully surrendered followers of Jesus. The outcome of us being disciples is that we look more and more like Jesus looked. How are we going today? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is getting uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank you. 
So if that's a disciple, how do we become disciple makers? How do we make disciples? Do we beat them over the head with a Bible? No, I don't recommend that. Just every now and then, I'm sure that might need to happen, but not normal. Here's the thing. The first thing I want us to get is that disciple-making is a spirit. There's a spirit that someone has when they're a disciple-maker. It's that their outlook on life is to come alongside of people. If I was to to give us a phrase of what's the spirit of a disciple-maker, it's someone who just will come alongside of people to encourage them towards being fully immersed, fully surrendered followers of Jesus. I'm going to walk with people. It's a, there's, a, there's a story about the an Ethiopian eunuch and he's reading the Bible and he doesn't really understand it. He's been to Jerusalem and God gets this guy called Philip, an evangelist, and, and, he, and the Spirit says, I want you to go and walk alongside his chariot. And then they began a conversation. And then the guy goes, I don't really understand the Bible. Why don't you come and explain the Bible to me? The the spirit of a disciple maker is just to position ourselves to walk alongside people. I love the, uh, yesterday at Real Men, uh, one of the guys gave a testimony. He said, oh, uh, when I first came to church, I was high for the first three years, pretty much when I came to church. I was on drugs. But Shorty, this guy in church, took me under his wing. I love that expression, and Shorty, I love your wings. They're just awesome. But it, it, so, someone took him under their wing. That's the spirit of a disciple maker. Uh, disciple making is not, I'm up here and you're down there, and you do this and you do that. And I'm going to walk beside you. I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to put the love of God into you. And I'm going to encourage you. I, I, I captured a moment on a Sunday night uh, last year with uh, Jordan and Isaac. Can we put that photo up? Jordan and Isaac. And these guys are musicians and they're, they're uh, playing in our band. Jordan's one of our key leaders. If we got Here we go. I'll get out of the road. Jordan uh, was playing guitar this morning. Isaac, uh, his, his parents and grandparents are in the church and he's learning guitar in the youth band. And just after church, this wasn't formal. Uh, Jordan is not the disciple maker of lead guitarists. It was just a conversation. I'm looking at your equipment. How can I get better? What did you do in those moments? It's just the come alongside. The spir- that right there is the spirit of a disciple maker to walk with people and help them improve in their life. I believe that my, my father was great at this. My dad wasn't, wasn't a, a, a big leader in church, uh, but my dad had the spirit of a disciple maker. He was a farmer and he knew what being a farmer was like and how tough it was if you put the next photo up. And so what I watched my dad when he was retired, he would get on the phone, the old ones with the little cord. Remember those ones? And I would, I would see dad and he'd pull up a chair in the hallway and he'd pull out his notebook and he had a list of about seven or eight Christian farmers who lived in isolated communities and he would ring them and he'd say, I'm praying for you. He'd talk about farming and whether it was tough or whether it was good. He'd talk about their families. He'd share scriptures with them and he'd encourage them. And it was, I would sit and I'd know in the background, dad's, you know, it would be nighttime and he'd be just, oh, yep, I'm ringing Cliffy or I'm ringing this guy, I'm ringing that guy. And I knew my dad, he wasn't in a church where his title was the farmer phoner. It wasn't a title. It wasn't a leadership position. It was a spirit. See, what he'd been through, others had helped him through, and now he was paying it forward 
That's the spirit of a disciple maker. And I pray, and I see it in our church so strong already there, this spirit of disciple making is right across the place. People who encourage and pray for, come alongside of it, share scripture with people. So that's, that's the spirit of a disciple maker. Then of course, if you've got the spirit of disciple making, you actually you need a strategy. I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched little kids who are about six play soccer. And, and it's like the coach is out there and there's, there's just this like swarm of bees running all around the field, wherever the ball is. Then there's that one kid who's a dreamer just standing up the back playing with the butterflies over here. Just missing, who's got one of those kids? You're just like, you want to come and play. And, and there's no strategy. They're just having fun. And that's awesome because they're catching the spirit of team and sport and it's fun. But hey, if the Brisbane A-graders were playing like that, that would be a problem because they need a strategy. They need some structure. They need some positions. They need to know you're doing this and I'm doing that. And I want to just quickly talk about some of our strategy for making disciples in our church. Real quickly, I'm going to go through, the, through about 13 things that we do that are all deliberate, on-purpose things to help make fully immersed, fully surrendered followers of Jesus. You're in one of them right now, our Sunday services, okay? That's one of the things that we do to, as part of our discipleship strategy. We have our Sunday services. We preach the Word of God. We immerse people in the Spirit. We immerse into worship. Our next strategy here, no particular order, is small groups. These are our connect groups. And people gather together to, to unpack the Word of God, to encourage one another, to learn to love one another, to be part of a family, to be praying for one another. Vital part of discipleship. The next is our dream team. Now, let, let me explain. Dream team is, is our volunteer army. Dream team is not just a group where we go, well, we need some things done. Let's see who, what suckers we can get to do some things. Okay, I know some of you thought that's what it was. That's not what it is. One of the core reasons we do Dream Team is because one of the themes of Jesus' life that he taught us that's counterintuitive is to be a servant. It's one of the themes of being a disciple, to lay our lives down for one another. And so if I'm going to learn to be a servant, I just see dream team. I see when people serve each other on a Sunday, looking after kids, welcoming people on the door. Thank you for the sponsored ad this morning. Uh, welcome, looking after kids, whatever it might be, doing production. It's like I'm making a counterintuitive decision to serve other people, to make their life better. And that makes me a disciple. Not so I can go, tick, I've served this month. But so I can go, that's a, that's a habit that I want to bring into my home life, into my work life, with my friends, because I'm a servant. Of course I'm going to serve on the dream team. It gets me going. Uh, we, we've got our discipleship pathways. You put this screen up. This, this is for, for new believers in our church. Very clear one for new people from the point of salvation where they walk through to Alpha courses. They have encounters that get filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a water baptism moment. We do Christian essentials and learn the habits of what a disciple, the practices of a disciple. That's what we're doing there. We have a freedom experience to help people get free. We have a growth track where we're talking to people about, okay, what group can we help you to be part of? Because we want you immersed into the family. What team can you be part of? Because we want you to catch the spirit of being a servant. And then there's a face-to-face. -face. And what I love about the discipleship pathway is we have this whole team of people who come alongside and encourage people. 
Particularly, this is the season where people, the enemy is going to take people out. And Katrina Bowen does a phenomenal job leading a whole lot of people. One of the most rewarding teams. If I wasn't the pastor, if I was a, a member of this church, I would be on that team helping people on their journey. We've got youth ministry, making disciples of young people every Friday night through camps where seven people get saved on Friday night. Isaac Duell doing a great job. We have prayer meetings. That's a discipleship moment. We're making disciples, learning how to pray so that you're immersed in the Spirit of God. We had 90 people at our prayer meeting, two locations last month as we kicked off the first Wednesday of the month. We have conferences, Leaders Big Day Out, Powerhouse Conferences. That's because we want to make disciples. We have Bible College that kicked off this week with, with uh, almost 20 people, I think. There's still room. You can sneak in, Teresa. Is that right? Just, yeah, she's not, yeah, just, just barge your way in if you want to get deeper in the Word of God. Uh, we have our pathfinders. We, uh, oh, hey, sorry, we have internship and people come and study and go deeper as disciples. We have our pathfinders, which is on this Wednesday morning. Every, every month we're either praying or we're doing panels to help people be disciples in the marketplace. We have our real men, things that we've just kicked off, and we have our leadership pipeline. And this is our strategy for side-by-side, soul-to-soul, discipling of disciple-makers. In our church right now, across two locations, 30 people are in the process of being discipled as leaders, brilliant disciple-makers, not, not just in a classroom, not just listening to a podcast, but in little groups of two or three together, four, four people, and they're being coached and, and apprenticed to be great disciple-makers. And you can be part of that. All you got to do is be part of a team, be part of a group and talk to your leader and say, I'd like to be apprenticed. That, that's our strategy. I just want to give you an overview of that. So we can put this screen down. Can we close our eyes right now? <laughs> In a moment, I want to have three altar calls. One, if today you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'd like to pray with you, lead you in a prayer as you connect to Him and begin a life-transforming relationship with God. If you've never done it, today's your day. Two, you might know Jesus as your Saviour, but you really haven't gone all in. And in a moment, if you're saying, John, I, I don't just want Jesus to do stuff for me. I want to lay my life down for Him. I want to become fully immersed, fully surrendered. I'm going to ask you in your seat to stand up. Is it time to cross over and go all in for God? All in as a disciple. And then the third altar call is for this. If you're here and today you're like, you know what? I want to be a disciple maker. Don't really know how I'm going to do it. But I, I want you to train me. I, I'm just, I'm standing up before God saying, I want to come alongside people and be a disciple maker. So right across the room, while eyes are closed, those of you watching online, first of all, if you don't have a relationship with God, this is the most important thing that we can do today. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you've never surrendered your life to Him and received the forgiveness that Jesus offers because He died on a cross. In a moment, I'd like, I'm going to ask you in your seat to raise your hand. I'll just say, hey, I see your hand, and you can put it down, and then I'll lead you in a prayer. The prayer is asking God to come into your heart. The prayer is saying, Jesus, I put my faith in you today. You might have prayed a prayer like this at some point, but you've drifted away from God. For those of you watching online, I want to include you in this right now. 
You're saying, I drifted away from God. I got distracted. I got off track. I want to come back. I want to get right with God again. If that's you, in a moment, I want you to raise your hand as well. Maybe you're just not sure if when you die, you're going to go to heaven. I hope you are, but you're not confident. I want to include you in this prayer. If you're saying, John, I don't have a peace that I'm going to heaven. So if this is you, just raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. Thank you down the back. I see your hand. Thanks, mate. I see your hand. Who else right now, if you're saying, that's me as well, I want to be sure I'm going to heaven or I want to come back to Christ because I've drifted away or I just want to make sure, I just want to begin a relationship with God because I know something's missing in my life. Maybe you know some Christians, you can see they've got this something about them that's different to what you've got, a peace, a joy, a purpose. Today, you can begin that connection with God, if that's you. Can you raise your hand if it's you as, as well as these two have already raised their hand? You're saying, John, I want to get right with God today. I want to get on track with God today. Who, who else? Raise your hand if there's one more person. Come on, your heart will be pounding because the Spirit of God's speaking to you. He wants you to surrender. He's got a, a great life to live with you, but you have to invite Him in. One more person. If, if you're here today, you're saying, that's me. Raise your hand. Raise your hand online. There's a way of just saying in the chat, you can say yes to God. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, we're going to pray together. We're going to join these ones who raised their hands. For those of you online, you've said, yes, I want God in my life. Would you pray this all together after me? Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me and for my sin. I'm sorry. I've lived my way and I'm turning to you to live your way. Would you please forgive me? I put my faith in Jesus that he died on a cross for my sin in my place. I thank you today. I'm forgiven. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. For those of you who raised your hand today, so proud of you, so pleased for you. A life-changing decision. Uh, For those of you who've done that, I just encourage you, just keep coming along to church. This is family. That's part of being immersed into God. You'll be immersed into church. And then we have a course, and you saw it there earlier. It's called Alpha. It's just explaining uh, the basics of Christianity and who Jesus is. You watch a little video. You talk together about, about questions that you've got. Uh, you have some food together, and it's just a great way to connect with God. So again, let's put our hands together for all of those connecting with God today. All right, second altar call. You're like, Okay, fully immersed, fully surrendered. You can feel the prompt of the Holy Spirit. So you can't be partially surrendered. You're like, I'm either in, I'm, su- I'm surrendering, I'm immersing. I know for many people the last couple of years and COVID and isolation, we're not created for isolation. It messes with us. It's for so lots of people that can put us on the back foot. And if today you're like, I need to get back on the front foot. I want to be a disciple, fully immersed, fully surrendered. I want you just to stand up in your seat right now. Say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be fully immersed, fully surrendered. Don't look around. This is you and God. This is your moment. Fully immersed, fully surrendered. Not partially immersed. Not partially surrendered. Not being a Christian on my terms. Not being a Christian my way, but fully immersed. Fully surrendered, fully immersed, fully immersed into the family of God, fully immersed into the house of God, fully immersed into the Word of God, 
fully immersed into the Spirit of God. Fully immersed and fully surrendered, whatever He says. Even if it cuts across what I would like to do. Even if it's inconvenient. Even if it means I have embarrassing moments where I've got to apologize or forgive. Even if it means I've got to change what my preference is. I'm making a commitment today. Father, for every person you're stirring in their hearts. Come on, there's a few more. I can just feel it in my heart right now. The Spirit of God's tugging on you. There's a cost. Jesus said, take up your cross, follow me. There's a cost to being a disciple. It's not the popular or easy way. There's a cost. Father, I pray right now for those who are surrendering to you. Come on, this is a holy moment. This is a sacred moment. Let the touch of God come upon them. Seal this moment. Seal it in the Spirit. Seal it in their hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Last altar call. You're saying, okay, I want to be a disciple maker. And it's, it's pretty much, you're like, well, what does that mean? It just means I want to walk alongside people to help them become fully immersed, fully surrendered followers of Jesus. If that's you, you're saying, I want to be, I'm committing to be, I'll, I'll learn, I'm, I'm going to go after this. Would you just stand up as well and say, that's me. I want to be a disciple maker. I want to walk with people. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. You, you might already be a disciple maker as a connect group leader. Just stand up and say, well, that's, that's who I am and that's what I want to be. I, I'm a person who walks with people. You might already be on the new people team and you're walking with people and you're getting alongside them. Just stand up because I want to pray. I believe it's the call of God for every believer to be ultimately to become a disciple maker. So Father, I'm praying today. I'm praying today. Holy Spirit, that our church this year would go deeper in being disciple makers. You'd give us the spirit. You'd give us the heart. Lord, you'd help us to surrender. You'd give us the people to walk beside, to walk with, to encourage. I'm asking it. Anoint these ones surrendering right now. Anoint them, I pray, Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus Amen, amen. Why don't we all stand together, give the Lord some praise for what He's doing in our church, where He's taking us in our church. David. Awesome. Prada.